We're holding in the middle of the parak. We just spoke about um, the uh, Shimon and Levi taking over the city of Shechem and then subduing all the surrounding nations that they weren't going to fight Bnei Yaakov, even though Yaakov was scared that they would, but they didn't in the end. And now Yaakov is finally on his way home and he's going to go back to his parents' house, to, or at least to Yitzchak's house. His mother Rivka had already died. And we're going to see what happens at that point. So this is the Medrash. Vilokach, Yaakov, Bonov, Uvnei, Vanov, Vinoshov. Yaakovinu took his sons and his grandsons and his wives. Now, the Mepharshim speak out over here that it's not supposed to say Bnei Vanov because we don't have any proof that Yaakovinu had any grandchildren at this point yet. So they say that instead of saying Bnei Vanov, it should say Bnei Sov. So the Radal says. And also the Marzu says this. So Yaakov, his sons, and his daughters, and his wives came. He took them, Vaholach, and he went Arba, to the city of Kiryas Arba, which is Hebron, where his father Yitzchak was living. And what did Yaakov find there? He found Esav and Esav's wives living in Yitzchak Avinu's tent. I mean, he found that Esau and Esau's family was living with, with their father Yitzchak. By the way, it says Esau and his wives. Do you, biblical trivia. Do you know how many wives Esau had? It's a little bit of a trick question. 350. <laughs> so the, the answer is 3, 4, 5, or 6. Because the, the Psukim and Parshas told us, tell us, that Esau had three wives. They give us the names of three different wives of Esau, and Parshas told us. And then later on in Parshas Vayishlach, Vayishlach, when it's talking about the descendants of Esau, so it says three, the names of Esau's three wives, but it's a different three names. So the Shailah is how to reconcile the three names of Tolos with the three names of Vayishlach. So Rashi goes with the Mahalach that it's the same three people mentioned, there, for whatever reasons, and mentioned with the different names. So Rashi says it's three, three wives. Rav Avram ben Arambam in his Pirish on Chumash says that no, it's the three wives of Parshas told us in addition to the three wives in Vayishlach. So Esav had a total of six wives. And then other Mepharshim say some were the same, some weren't the same, so it'll come out to four or five. The Ramban says whatever. So, so you have either three, four, five, or six. They bring the Cheshman, why do they believe one of them is the same? Yeah, yeah, they make Cheshman as exactly which, which names are the same, which ones aren't the same. So the answer is Esav had three, four, five, or six wives. So Yaakovinu comes to Kiryas Arba, to, 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 to where his father lived, and he sees Esau there. So what did Yaakovinu do? Vinoto oholoi chutzoloi. And Yaakovinu pitched his tent outside of the tent of Yitzchak. I guess probably because you know he didn't want to like he didn't want to be mischaber with Esau. He didn't want to mamish join up with Esau. But he wanted to go to his family, so he, he, he set up his family like right next to Yitzhak Avinu's family. Says the Medrash, Yitzhak saw Yaakov and his wives and his children and his daughters and everything that he had. Interestingly here it says wives before it says sons and daughters. And before it said sons and daughters before wives. I'm not sure why I did that. So Yitzhak saw all this that Yaakov had, and Yitzhak was very happy in his heart. 
and about this period of Yitzchak of Yaakov and returning to the to the household of Yitzchak, this whole family, the pasuk says, Yisrael." When you see sons to your sons, Shalom Yisrael, is peace upon Yisrael. And the Radar explains that this is it, it, the Medrash means that we saw earlier before in I think it was Paraklamid, hey, when Yaakovinu was by the Sulam in Basel, so he promised Hashem, you know, uh, if Hashem is, does everything nice for me, Vishafti Vishalom the base of and I return in peace to the house of my forefathers, to, of my father, so then you know, I'll break Karbanas for you and, and this will be a base Elikim, etc. Right? So this is the fulfillment of Yaakov Avinu's tefillah. Yaakov Avinu Davin that he should return peacefully to his father's house. And now Yaakov Avinu has finally returned peacefully to his father's house. What? The, the Radal in the Hesophos makes an interesting point over here. Our Medrash over here is saying that when Yaakov Avinu came to Kiryas Arba, to where Yitzchak lived, so there he met Esau, and Esau was living over there with, with, uh, with, Yaak, with Yitzchak. The Shaila is, in the beginning of Parshish Vayishlach, it says in the Pesach, Vayishlach Yaakovim Alochim Lofonov, El Esau Vachiv, Yaakov sent messengers to his brother Esau, Arzah Seir Stay Adam, to the land of Seir, with the plain of Edom. So that sounds like when Yaakov sent the message to Esau, where was Esau? Not in Kiryas Arba, in Steyadim, in Arzah Seir, in the land of Seir, in the Steyadim. Edom is a land that's sort of southwest of Eretz Yisrael. So why is it saying over here in the Medrash that, that you know, Yitzchok bumped in, Yaakov, you know, bumped into Esau Yitz, by Yitzchok's house, you know, Esau wasn't really living there. So the Radal says, you have to say, like, uh, uh, Apparently the Ramban al-Khumish says this, I didn't have a chance to look at the Ramban, but the Ramban al-Khumish basically says that really, Esau was living in Eretz Canaan, like the Medrash over here says, that Esau was living with his father, right, with his, with his extended family. Why did Yaakov have to send messengers to, to, to Seir, to stay Edoim? Because Esau had his own holdings over there in Edoim, in, in Seir, in Edoim, he had some sort of investments or some interests over there and he was for some reason over there for, at, at that point so Yaakov would send the messengers over there but Be'etzim, Esau was living in, by, by Yitzchak Avinu in Kiras Arba in Hebron another adult brings in Sefer Yosher it says a slightly different chat it says that Be'etzim, Be'etzim uh, Esau lived a similar idea but slightly different Be'etzim, it sounds like Esau lived in Hebron with his, by his father's family or whatever but he went once hunting to go to Seir and he ended up staying in Seir for a while. So because he was staying, uh, during that while when he was in Seir, that's when Yaakov sent messengers to him. So it's a Shiloh where exactly where did Esav live at the point. But the Pashtas is that he, he lived in Eretz Kanat. We'll see later on when he moved to, to his own land, to, to Har Seir, to Edom. Why? Let's do the Medrash Vaiter. Rabbi Levi Aymer. Rabbi Levi says, at the time that Yitzhak was going to die, was about to die. He left over his flock and all his possessions and everything that he had to his two sons. Therefore, when Yitzhak Avinu died, so both of his sons were going to chesed him. Both of his sons were busied themselves in you know, helping bury him and taking care of it. They both took care of his 
estate. Shinamar says in the Pasuk, Vayikburo Yisai Esav Yaakov Bonov. And Esav and Yaakov, his sons, buried him. So you see that both Esav and Yaakov were involved in the burying of Yitzchak. The Bashmos of, of the, the, the Mufarshim say, what the, what's the point over here? The point is that it's saying that because Yitzchak left over his property to both of his sons, to Yaakov and Esau, therefore both of them uh, were involved in his burial. Right? But if, let's say, Yitzchak would have written in his will that he's giving everything to Yaakov Avinu, and Esau would, was such a Russia, he wouldn't want to have anything to do with his father's burial. But because Yitzchak left over something for both of his sons, so they both took part of it. But of course, Yaakov Avinu, the Rebbe Israel points out, that Yaakov Avinu Luchari, even if Yitzchak didn't leave anything for him, would have been metapel in his father's burial. I have to say it. What? Why? No, it didn't happen. But like Luyut Suyer, that it would have happened. You know, it's an obvious account. Right. And the Radal points out another another nukuda that the Medrash is trying to tell us that this is different than what happened with Avramavinu, because by Avramavinu, Avramavinu sent off Bnei Keturah, and Avramavinu disinherited Yishmael, and all everything that Avramavinu went right. Everything that Avraham Avinu owned, he gave over to Yitzchak. Kol Sherloi. Masha'en came over here by Yitzchak. Yitzchak gave over both to y- to Yaakov and Esau, mm-hmm. but by Avraham Avinu not. They they say a word that there's a slight difference between between the bechira of Yitzchak over Yishmael and the bechira of Yaakov over Esau because it says in the pasuk Kivi Yitzchak Yikari Lachosh Zora. Even we we don't like to hear it, but his uh, his Rivka's son. Yeah, Rivka's son. It's different. It's, yeah, it's it's a different it, it's a different it's a different dynamic. The difference between Yitzchak and Yishmuel is, is is not the same as the difference between Yaakov and Esau. Yeah. And the the Sfarim said it. You know, Esau had the potential to be one of the others and he ruined it. It's like Esau was 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 in a different it was a different league than Yishmael. But on the other hand, Esau was much worse. Yeah. The affairs that Esau did are much worse than the affairs that Yishmael did. Just before we get to the story of exactly what happened between Yaakov and Esau when Yitzchak died, just to point out a, a, an important nukuda, an important point that the Zayis Ranan mentions over here. The Zayis Ranan Yaakov Shemoni. Remez Kuflam and Ches. Now we're we're discussing this story over here in the context of you know Yaakovinu arriving in Eretz Canaan and arriving in Kiryas Arba, and then we're saying that like when Yitzchak died, so he left over property to both Yaakov and Esav, and we'll speak about exactly how they split split it up. But the next story that we're going to speak about, Ezra Hashem, not this week, but next week, is going to be the story of the se- the sale of Yosef and the, you know the Yidden going down to Mitzrayim, etc. Now. The MS is that Yitzhak Avinu died after the story of the sale of Yosef. Yitzhak was still alive when Yosef was sold, which is going to be year, later. Right? We didn't discuss y- 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 the story of Yosef here. We didn't start that. But, but we're talking about Yitzhak dying. But Yitzhak dying is, hap- is, is not happening now. It's really going to happen after Yosef is sold. Just to make a quick cheshman, it says that Yaakov Avinu was 147 years old when he died. Yeah? 
which and he and he lived in 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 let's say let's say Yitzchak Avinu was 180 years old when he died. Yeah, that means that and the pasuk says that Yitzchak was 60 years old when he gave birth to Yaakov. Yeah, so 180 minus 60 is 120. So that means that ya- Yaakov Avinu was 120 years old when Yitzchak died, right? Because Yitzchak was 60 years older than him. Right? Now, Yaakovin himself only lived for 40, 147 years. So 27 years before Yaakovinu died, Yitzchak died. And we know that of those 27 years, 17 years Yaakovinu spent in Mitzrayim. Right? That's the beginning of Parshat Vayichi. So, te- so that means there's 10 years left. So 10 years from before, 10 years before Yaakovinu came down to Mitzrayim, was when, Ye- was when Yitzchak died. Right? Ten years before Yaakov came down to Mitzrayim, Yitzchak was already there in Mitzrayim, because he was in Mitzrayim for 22 years before Yaakov came. Right? So this was like 12 years after, Yitzchak died 12 years after yeah, Yitzchak was sold. So what are we saying? Are we, why are we bringing this story first? So the Zayat Rana says two truths. Either you could say that Ein Moktim Umochar Batayra and Kol Shekin in, in the Medrash, you know, it, it, we're not going in order, we're not going in chronological order. First we want to finish speaking about Yitzhak, and then we'll move on to the next stories, even though this story technically happened after the next story. That's one Nakuda. The other Nakuda, as I says, is that really, we're not even, we're not really talking about Yitzhak dying. Actually, we're talking about because of the fact that Yitzhak became blind, and a blind man is like he's a dead man, so there, there was, they felt, Yaakov and Yitzhak felt that there was a need to already inherit his property while he was still technically alive but because he was dead he was considered as if he wasn't because he was blind he was considered as if he was dead so that's why we discuss it over here okay so what's the story between Yaakov and Esau Omar Esau to Yaakov Esau says to Yaakov Nachleit kol lano abba let's split everything that our father left to, uh, left to us in two parts now the Amos the Amos Usually, in normal circumstances, when a person has two sons and he dies, so how do you split the property? You take everything that the guy owns and you split it in three, right? And the oldest son gets two of those portions, and the other one gets one portion. That's how the SMS should go, right? So here, Esav is saying, no, let's take all of our father's property, split it into two, but you split the, you split the property, and I'll choose which... Which one of the two options? Because I'm the Bukhar. So Esav is doing a little shtick over here. Esav is, is admitting that he doesn't get double. Because he, you know, he sold his firstborn rights to Yaakov. You know? So he's like admitting that he doesn't get double. But he's saying that I'm, you don't get double either. I don't get double because I sold the rights. But you don't get double because you're not really the Bukhar, you're just like you bought the rights. Yeah. So what what happens is that we're just gonna split it equally. And since I'm the Bukhar, because even though I sold the rights of the Bukhar, but I'm still technically the firstborn, so I deserve a certain cover that I get to choose which option. So he says like Yaakovino, you split everything into two and I'll choose which option I want. And the Mafarsh said that Yaakovino understood that really Esav wants the whole thing and he's sort of trying to get the whole things in, the, in this in this way 
So Yaakov has to figure out exactly what he's going to do. Omar Yaakov, Yaakov said, He hasn't filled his eye from riches. He wants more and more. Also his eye, he hasn't felt satisfied with his riches. So what is Yaakov going to do? Yaakov, what are Yaakov going to do? He split his father's estate into two parts. Everything that his father left over, he put in one section. So like, option A is everything that Yitzhak Avinu owned, all his flocks, all his servants, all his everything, all his riches, etc. Option B, and the other, there's another gift that says, Eretz Yisrael and Mara Samach Pelo V'chelek Echad. Mara Samach Pelo is included in Eretz Yisrael. But, Which is, go, goes well with the, goes well with the, with the Chumash. Why? Because he, he, he wanted to be buried there. Asa. Oh, 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 yeah, so we'll, we'll get to that and story. Not in this park, but in the next park. But yeah, yeah we, we'll, we'll touch on that story a little bit today. But so so Yaakov, what is Yaakov going to do? He splits everything. He says, "Okay, so you'll, I'll give you two options. Option A, you can have everything that Yitzchak Avinu owned except for Eretz Yisrael. Option B, you can take Eretz Yisrael. Just Eretz Yisrael. So what did Yaakov? What did Esav do? Met also Esav. What did Esav do? Right? It's it's a it's, it's a good it's a good question. I don't know what to do. Should I take Eretz Yisrael or should I take everything else? Right." All the you know all the fluid all the fluid estate the money and the riches and the servants and the animals right should I take all that or should I take it all with the, the real estate? Esav didn't know what to do, so what did he do? He went to to Yishmael in the desert to get advice from him. Esav went to Yishmael. Now the problem is there's a bit of a chronological problem over here because. Um, Yishmael had already died a good uh, many years earlier. When Yitzchak died, right, you can make the chesed like this: When Yitzchak died, when Yishmael died, Yitzchak was one hundred and twenty-seven. When it was on, was one hundred. died when he was one hundred and thirty-seven, and Yishmael was. Um, 13, 14 years older than Yitzchak. The kids are, it was over 50 years early before Yitzchak died, Yishmael died. So Yishmael was already dead. So how could Esau go to Yishmael to ask him for advice about what to do over here, how to inherit his life? He did it beforehand. Oh, you're saying he did it beforehand? Yeah, it, it could be. Beforehand. Well, if you learn like the Zayis like, Ranan. my father died, what should I do? Should I inherit everything? You're saying he asked him already beforehand. Yeah. If you learn like the Zayis Ranan that we're talking about where Yitzchak was really still alive and they're just splitting his property while he was alive because he was blind and it's as if, as if he was dead you can hear that a little bit more but even so because then this whole story would be like before Yaakov Avinu even went to Kharan to get married let's yeah. match with that this is a whole happening now yeah, should be when yeah. He, when pretending to be uh, uh, right Omar so it says he went to Yishmael the other, there's another Gersa in the, in the Hager edition of Pirkei Deblezer which is from Ksaviyad it says he went to Bnoi Yishmael Yishmael to Yishmael's son and that's more or less. Oh. That's more or less. Say for Yasha also says he went to Nevoyos Ben Yishmael, who was his brother-in-law. The Radal says it's a, it should say Bnei Yishmael. Okay. Okay. So the idea is that he went. He didn't literally go to Yishmael. He went to a relative of his, a relative of a son of Yishmael or yeah, something like that. The, the, um, yeah. The chronological problem. Yeah. Is there a different version to say that Dafka at this point is 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 been told differently? Right. 
Okay, so, so what did he say? Amir Yishmael said to Esau like this. The Amorites and the Canaanites are then in the land of Eretz Yisrael. Why? Uh, there were a bunch of nations there. The Radha says, why does it say Amorites and Canaanites? So the Canaanites, because, you know, that's like the the spitz, the, the, the land of Canaan, you know, they're called Canaan. So, there, so uh, the general term is Canaanites, so we call them Canaanites. Right? And then Amorites, the Radha says, the Amorites are like the strongest people there. They were the, the, the most fearsome. So Yishmael is mentioning both Amori and Canaanite, and not necessarily everyone else. The, the Amorites and the Canaanites are living in land now. And Yaakov, your brother, is confident that he's going to inherit the land. Meaning, I, I, don't, I don't really think it's going to happen anyways that you're going to get the land. The Radha says either because they didn't believe in the promise from Hashem, they, maybe he didn't even believe in Hashem, or he didn't believe in the promise from Hashem, or the word is that he, he, Yishmael was assuming that maybe Yaakov is going to do some sort of a vera and he'll lose getting his Eretz Yisrael anyways. So Yishmael tells Esau, "Look, saying that maybe we have two two new players to negotiate to negotiate with, and then we go and negotiate with him. Okay, you can negotiate with him with them to uh, not to uh, to to take to what they call to uh, to take us Israel from from Yaakov's hands." Now, I, I mean, I, I hear it. It sounds like from the Medrash that Yishmael is telling or the, or the sons of Yishmael are telling Esau. Look, we're not so confident that Yaakov's actually going to get Eretz Yisrael anyways. This whole Eretz Yisrael thing is not, is, not, is, not really, is not really realistic. So the, our advice to you is, Ella, rather, what should you do? Take whatever else your father left for you. And Yaakov won't get anything. You take everything else, leave Eretz Yisrael to Yaakov, and he won't even get Eretz Yisrael for, whatever, for the reasons we said before, that they didn't believe in it or whatever. And and Esav is going to follow that advice. Esav took whatever his father had left. And he left over for Yaakov And they wrote an eternal document between them, attesting to the fact that Esav is leaving, taking everything for himself and leaving for Yaakov. And this document that we're discussed that we just mentioned is going to be important in the next park in the story of when when they were burying Yaakov you know and Esav came along and tried to stop the burial but that's what happened here but Omar Yaakov the Esav so now that so that was the deal right so now Yaakov tells you know Yaakov gets her to Israel and Esav gets everything else Omar Yaakov the Esav Yaakov said to Esav get out of my heritage land out of er- get out of Eretz Canaan because you, you we have this document and it belongs to me now so now you have to get out so Esav took his wives and everything that he had and he went elsewhere and Esav went to land the lands went to land because of his brother Yaakov and this is a, a reference to the fact that Esav left Eretz Canaan and went to a different place and settled over there to Harseir, where he settled with the Khari over there and mingled with the Khari, and then he took over. That's say Harseir or Stay Adaim. That's that, that was that became the land of Esav over there. Now there's a, there's an interesting medrash. Actually, it's like a whole a whole like a whole um, bevy of like midrashim and commentaries that talk about this. There's an interesting medrash called Medrash Ilam Denu. On this pasuk of Ve'elech Eretz Mepnei Yaakov Ochiv, 
And he brings down in Menish Lamdenu that that Pasuk is talking about something else. Esav had a grandson <coughs> named Tzfoy. This guy Tzfoy was the son of Eliphaz, the son of Esav. And Tzfoy w- went off to a place called Italy and he conquered a, a, a city called Rome. And he was over there, he was a king in Rome and he was a very successful general in battles and whatever. And at some point he was fighting other, the, um, the aboriginal Rome, uh, I guess Italians, were probably from B'nai Yafes. We'll have to ask Rabbi Felder about that. Uh, they were probably B'nai Yafes. And this guy Tzfoy actually lost in war. So there, there was like a little outpost of Esau's descendants over there in Rome. And this guy Tzfoy was their, their general, their king or whatever, and he lost the war and he got killed. And it says in the message that Esau went there to Rome to go be Menachem Oval, the family of Tzfoy. And that's what it means, Vayelech el Eretz. That Esau went to the land, it means that he went to Rome to go be Menachem Oval for his grandson who got killed. That's one, one, one version of this marriage. And there's, there's a few different, it's brought down in a few different place, ways, but the Rekech says a, a slightly different thing about this guy Tzfoy. The late, was, as I mentioned before, we'll speak in the next parak about the, when, when they were going to bury Yaakov Avinu, so Esav came, and said, came along and said, no, you know, he, he, I own the rights, Yaakov Avinu shouldn't be buried here in Rasbach Bela. But there, there is, the Rekev says that this guy Tzfoy, the grandson of, of, of Esav, he was over there involved in that scuffle, in that fight, and Yosef, who was, you know, the king of Mitzrayim at that point, or at least the viceroy of Mitzrayim, came and captured Tzfoy and brought him back to Mitzrayim. And the Rekech says that afterwards, when Yosef Atanik died, and he was no longer, the Jews were no longer sort of controlling Mitzrayim, so it's like, was released from prison, I guess it was like, you know, some sort of like political prisoner or something, and he ran away, and he went to, and he went to Rome, and he captured Rome, and that's where, that's how es- Bnei Esav have their stronghold in Rome. That's another measure. There's other, other, there's other sources also, there's... It's very strange. Yosifun, Yosifun. You just said that Esav himself went to... Went to, to, to stay Edom, to Edom, which is which is southwest of Israel, not not Rome. Ah, not Rome. You see, from you said that he went he went there to uh, to Nachem the, the family. Yeah. So when uh, how come how did it happen before? You suppose. No, okay, uh, yeah, I'm saying no, the, uh, these two the don't necessarily oh, jive oh, with each other. I'm just saying two different Midrashim about exactly what happened about, well, well, with this guy Tzfoy in Rome. This There's a Yosifun, which was uh, a safer based on Josephus. He says that Rome was started in the time of David Amalek. Right, so there's a Gemara about it. The Gemara says, in Shabbos Tafnun Vov, the Gemara says that on the day that, that Shlomo Amalek married the daughter of Paro, so Gavriel Amalek came and he took a stick and he stuck it in the sea and from that stick grew out Italia Shilyavan, Italy of, you know, Greek, 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 Greek in Italy, wherever, which I became Rome. Is a reference to this, uh, um, this Medrash in uh, Brochus maybe? It could be. But is a reference to the, to the Gemara in uh, Shabbos? In, uh, it could be. I remember that. And there's another, there's a Sifri that says that, that it was when, when Yeravim ben Avat put up these idols. That's when Rome started. There's other sources that say it was in the time of Yoisam Melech Yehudah, Yehoshaphat Melech Yehudah, different sources of exactly when when Rome was originally built. And I have a way of answering up all these different sources. There's a famous expression we say in English. 
Rome wasn't built in a day. So uh, the, each of these midrashim are talking about like different stages in the building up of the city, something like that. There's um, yeah, there's another nakuda. Uh, the Rebbe Reb Heschel in Hanukkah Satara, Parshas told us. So in Parshas told us when when Yitzhak, when Yitzhak Avin is giving a bracha to Esav. So it said, he said to him, From the fat of the the fattest of the land, that should be your place of dwelling. And Rashi says, what's the fattest of the land should be the place of your dwelling? That's referring to Italy. So the question is like, why Italy of like all places in the world? Like, you know, uh, Esau is, you know, they're, they're pretty dominant in a lot of different places in the world. Why did Rashi specifically say in Italy? What's this idea of Italy? Nice weather. What? Huh? Nice weather. Nice weather? Actually, I actually have a friend who's going to Italy tomorrow. In two days. He's, going, he's really going to America, but he's stopping over because he wants to go eat in one of the restaurants in Rome. <laughs> what are those type of guys? I'll tell something. Oh, off, off the record. Off the record. Tell us about the restaurants in Rome. Oh, off the, the record. The kosher ones. Oh. <laughs> the good stuff. Anyways, so... Um, I was once in a, 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 a Milkley Italian restaurant in Yerushalayim and I'm like looking at the menu and I'm like, I don't know what any of this stuff is. Fettuccino, fettuccini, mazzini, linguine, like, what do you call like noodles with like cheese and tomato sauce? Like, oh, we don't have a name for that, but we could do it for you. Al <laughs> Capone, so why does Rashi say that Pomodori, this... Pomodori, forma, for, formaggio, fettuccini. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, Mario and, Mario and Luigi and... So why does Rashi say that Mishmani Aretz, Yehema Shabbat is talking about Italy of... of uh, it's talking about Italy. What, 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 what's stopped at the point in Italy? So the Hanukkah Sotera, Rebbe Heschel, in the end of the has told us as a word like this. This is because previously, Yitzchak had already given a bracha to Yaakov, you know? He said, Hashem should give you from the dew of the, of the heavens and from the fat of the land. So Yaakov already gets the fat of the land. He gets all the best of the land, right? So then how could there be any room for a bracha to give over to Esav? Is there only one bracha that you could give me? And then, and then Yitzchak all of a sudden pulls out another bracha and gives it to Esav. But... You already gave over all the best lands to Yaakov, you know. So how can you give it over to Esau? Says the Rebbe of Heschel, the bracha that was going to, y- to Yaakov, you know, was only going on to the lands that had already existed at that time in history. So then, when Yitzhak was giving the bracha to Esau, saying, I'm going to give you a bracha that wasn't included in the bracha that went to Yaakov, you know. I'm going to give you Italia shel Yavon, to Italy. Because that didn't exist yet. Because the Goran Shabbos said that when did Italy start? When the Malach Gavriel stuck a stick in the, in, in the, in the ocean, when, when Shlomo Malach married the daughter of Parah, like I just mentioned before, that's when Italy grew. So the, the land itself didn't exist, so it wasn't included in the original bracha to Yaakov, so it could be included in the, into the new bracha of Esau. Yeah. A little bit weiter. Right, so, so basically the point is that Esau leaves Eretz Canaan and he went, goes to elsewhere, to Edom, maybe to the land of Edom. Perhaps Esau made up also a colony in Rome. And in the reward, as a reward for the fact that Esau had cleared out all his, all his vessels, meaning all of his belongings from Eretz Canaan, because of his brother Yaakov, he left everything and went out and left it all over to Yaakov. Now suddenly, Mea Medina is Miseir of Ad Magdil. 
Kodesh Baruch Hu gave Esav a hundred provinces from Seir until Magdiel. What's Magdiel? Shneva says in the Pasuk, Aluf Magdiel, Aluf Iram. What's Magdiel? Ze Roimi. Magdiel is Roimi, which is Rome. And Rashi says, in Chumash also, Magdiel is Rome. Also, Targum Anderson also says it over there, Magdiel is Rome. I think Targum Anderson says it. So Yaakovinu gave him Rome. Uh, Hashem gave to Esau all these these brachas because he was so. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Cooperative with Yaakovinu, so he got these brachas. He got these hundred provinces, and he got he got Rome. There's an interesting tshuva that I saw um, a while ago. See, it, it says in the pasuk Aluf Magdiel, right? And we say Magdiel is Rome. So so. The, that would imply, at least in, the, that you you might say that what that means is that at the time that the Torah was written, when Hashem gave the Torah to Meishu Rabbeinu, so Magdil, meaning Rome, already existed, which we said earlier it was a Shiloh and when exactly Rome was built, and Rome wasn't built in a day or whatever. But it sounds like Magdil already existed in the time that the Torah was written by Meishu Rabbeinu, right? So that's true. Comes along the Shiloh Tshuva's Hisarus Tshuva from the grandson of the Chassam Sefer, the son of the Chassam Sefer. He wants to say a Kiddush, so that, and we know that Magdiel, why is Magdiel Rome? The Targum Yenison says because it has a wall around it, and a Migdal, right? a wall and a, and a tower, so that's Rome. Right? So now, if Rome was called Magdiel because it had a wall and a tower, even in the time of the Torah, that would imply that Rome is a city that's Book of Yeshua bin Nun, that it's a walled city from the times of Joshua. Which would give it a halachic status of keeping Shushan Purim, which should keep the 15th of Adar, not the 14th of Adar in Rome. So that's what the Shadow Shavuos and Sarah's Chu wants to say that Rome should keep the 15th day of Adar. Keep Shushan Rome, Purim. The same place. Huh? We don't know if that's no, Rome has been, the same place. Uh, it's been inhabited continuously. But that's what no, it's, a huge, it's a huge thing. Then it's just one. What? We don't know. We, no, we don't know. Yeah. So well, it, it was. Well, it's it was a huge. Slightly before, uh, slightly after Bin, and it's not. It's not Shaya. Yeah, you're right. Lamai says a huge chiddush. I. There's, there's a similar chiddush. It's not that. According to the the, the, the Purim law, of it, you just say you better keep with the, with the, the, the rest of the world in, in, instead of trying to. No, so that's also true. In the case of a suffix, if it's Muk of Chorima, so there's a ran that says that you keep a 14th, not the 15th. So the yeah. if, if you could, even if you could say best is a suffix, you'll still do 14th. Yeah, it's a Chiddush. There's a similar Chiddush that the, the Chayy Adam writes that Prague also should keep two days with suffix. A similar idea, because Prague maybe is a Muk of Chorima because it's an ancient city, something like that. Today's information. Of Purim, yeah. Well, I so at, at at the time when I first saw this serious tshuva, so I emailed a bunch of uh, Chabad rabbis. I could only find Chabad rabbis in Rome. I found, emailed three Chabad rabbis in Rome, and they all said they never heard of such a thing. Of course, Rome keeps Purim on the fourteenth day of Adar. One of the rabbis wrote me that the earliest wall that they found, that they, that the archaeologists found of Rome is dates to about six hundred years after Yeshua ben Nun. The earliest wall. Really. That the archaeologists. 600? It's already Six very years good. After, after you should have been. I know, but it's already very good. In, in look, for the Medrash. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Enough. For the Medrash, it's good. That's like Mamish, like the time of like Shlomo, Melech. Forget y- it. Y- this, y- is y- is a, this is incredible. Why? 
it's a, it's a, it's a no, what's it called? We don't, we don't approve the, the matrices are better proof than everything else. Than what? I'm just saying, like, uh, it's a good that they found something that's so ancient, like, that it was really, uh, okay. Okay, uh, I'm saying we knew, we knew the Rome was old. Because of what I'm yeah. saying, like, it's still, there's a suffix that Asa was there exactly, or, yeah. you know, kind of somewhere else, but at least it was, you know, the proof there was very ancient. Yes. Yeah. And that's just when there was a wall. Apparently, beforehand, Rome prided itself on being a city without a wall that they didn't need a wall to protect themselves because they were so strong. It sounds so like Ace of Dick. Look, six, 600 years after, after Yeshua been on. Barak Shlomo Yeah, yeah. Shlomo Yeah, we're, ta- we're talking about like roughly 800 years before, um, what's it called? 800 years. Before? No, 800 years before it was the time of Ace yeah, about. Okay. Okay. It's an interesting thing. I had this emails with correspondence and back in 2012 with these rabbis in Rome. Okay, later. Oz, we'll finish off a few more lines and we'll stop here. Oz, Yosef, Yaakov, Petach, Veshanan, then Yaakovinu um, settled safe, uh, what's called, not safely, but uh, confidently, Veshanan and tranquil, Be'eretz Kenan, in the land of Kenan. And in the land of his birth, and in the land where his parent father had lived, Yaakov lived in the land where his father had lived. Right? So like, this is like sort of like the opposite of 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 Avramovin. It says, and here it's Yaakov is going back to where his father lived, to the place where he was born, etc. So like the opposite of of Avram leaving Eretz Yisrael, and we have Yaakov coming and Mamish settling down in Eretz Yisrael. And we know, this, so this is like the opening words of Parshas Vayeshev now. The Vayeshev Yaakov Eretz Oviv. And we know what Rashi says over there in the beginning of Parshas Vayeshev. Pikesh Tzadikim Leishev B'Shalvo Kof Tzaleim Tzorais the, the tzaddikim, the righteous people, they want to sit in tranquility and, they, and enjoy their oil and not have to deal with all kinds of distressing issues and whatever but alas that is what happens in this world that Hashem brings upon you know calamity after calamity and even though Yaakov was sitting here and he settled and he came to Israel and that's like Mamish like the Spitz for life you know the Spitz life the Spitz existence but you know the unfortunate stories didn't don't stop and we're gonna see next week the next story of Yosef being sold and all the other tsarists that Yaakov had to go through towards the end of his life. So tune in next time. Same bat time, same bat channel.